If you were an On Taking Pictures listener, you probably know how my conversations with Bill Wadman go. If this is your first one, you're in for a treat. As is often the case when we talk, the conversation follows more than a few rabbit holes, from how podcasting has changed since we started OTP in 2012, to watching the Beatles demystifying creativity, to how it feels to see home movies of our parents who were taken from us far too soon, and a bunch more. It's another terrific conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. So what's going on? How was Christmas? Quiet. Nice. Slow. Christmas. You like Christmas? No. Do you like holidays in general? I like some holidays. I don't like Christmas because it was, it was, you know, it was mom. That was, that was our, that was a a big thing, you know, Christmas Eve. So I don't like it at all. (laughs) 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 And. How do the girls feel about you not liking Christmas at all, or do they oh, not they, know that they you don't get like it? Especially this year, you know, when when everybody's, you know, we didn't go up to New Hampshire. Obviously, nobody saw anybody. Everybody just sort of did, you know, stayed in their pod. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I haven't seen Linda for four years. I think. I think it's it was crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, Heather hadn't seen the kids in D.C. in two years. Yeah, it's crazy. And two years when somebody's nine to 11, those are big years. Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those are years you change. <laughs> yeah. How old is uh, Agnes now? Agnes is nine, Bert's 11. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, God, um, nine years. Jeez. I know, right? Then man, she is a handful. Yeah. <laughs> Kids these days. Yes. Kids these days, what are you going to do? It becomes one of those shows where it's like, ah, kids. Yeah. I, I will tell you, though, that um, off the record, I'm glad I don't have kids. <laughs> I, I, I mean, will tell you on the record. After watching the process of it. I don't have kids. <laughs> God. Really seems like there are people who that makes sense for or something that they're interested in. And then me, I'm just like, nope, that just seems like a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of get best of both worlds here. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I get to have this great relationship with, with the kid, but know that anything that has happened, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right. And then, you, you know, you get, you get the good parts. It's like when we hang out with Heather's little sister, it's like, I get the good parts of, oh, what's college like? How are you trying to figure out relationships? And like, you know, you can have those conversations right, right. without having to have the, oh, who's driving you to uh, soccer practice conversations. Right. Um, but yeah, um, let's see here. Uh, Twitter, Twitter. <clears throat> um, all right. You, you got anything, you got any ideas? I mean, I have, I have an idea or two, but if you have any ideas, uh, I'd love to hear them. You know, I, I really don't. Um, other than just uh, seeing, seeing where it goes, like we always do. Uh, Tom in Michigan did send something just moments ago. Okay. Um, what do you say? He said, because uh, we, we were talking the other day about how podcasting has changed so much since basically since we started OTP, how right. in that, in that time period, what's popular, the production value, you know, all sure. of that stuff, subject matter. And uh, he asked, uh, what has been your diet of podcasts and how has it changed over the years and where do you see it going? Hmm. You know, I listen to, um, I do listen to still a lot of the same stuff I used to listen to. Yeah. Sort of two people talking about 
you know, tech nerd stuff or whatever. Like I, I do listen to some of that just because I find it comforting. Yeah. Um, and I still listen to, you know, stuff you should know and all these like kind of silly ones. A lot of history podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because so many things have become these really heavy interview podcasts. Right. You know, like the, you know, even Broken Record, not even Marin and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, they seem light by comparison now. Yeah, 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 in a lot of ways. Yeah. And 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 so I will listen to those if it's somebody that I'm interested in hearing from. You know, it's like, oh, well, two hours with, you know, whoever, Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, I don't know anything about that guy. Like, let's find out what he's like in real life. Um, or at least on a podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what he, what he feels comfortable enough to let us know about him in real life. Speaking of him... He told this story on Marin where he was in South Africa and they had to drive from point A to point B and they were late. So they were going to drive at night and the, and his handlers were like, yeah, we probably shouldn't drive at night. Where we have to drive is like not a place you want to be at night. And he was just like, well, I really need to get back to set or I wanted to get back for whatever. And they went and they ended up getting carjacked. Really? And he ended up getting thrown in the back, the in, into the trunk of his car with his hands tied behind his back. What? And I think that luckily they didn't know who he was. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have known been, who he, Exactly. Yeah. So they like drove them into town and made them take all their money out of their ATMs and, you know, give them thousands of dollars or whatever, which, you know, no big deal for Benedict Cumberbatch from a money point of view. But, you know, had they known. Wow. You know, yeah. And he tells this crazy story. And, they, and Marin's just like, well, you know what? You know, what, what What'd you do? And he's like, well, I kind of became an adrenaline junkie for a while. I was like jumping out of airplanes and. On the back and, of that. Yeah, like wow. just like I guess it's I guess it's like those people who go to war, you know, and mm. then just need the adrenaline because they feel dead if they're not on the what, edge of death. Do you think you would do that, or do you think you would go the other way and and just? I would go the other way. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm, just I'm halfway right there here. anyway. <laughs> yeah, you want me to move? You better pick me up and move me because right, I'm not right. going anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You have have you? Has your appetite changed a lot? You know, I mean, with. I was a big fan of Radiolab for a long time, but when, sure. when Robert Krulwich left, changed, changed the show. So yep. I don't really listen to that. Um, I, I like song exploder. You know yep. what I don't get is the fascination with the, the true crime. Ah, uh, murder, the murder mysteries. Yeah. There are so many of them. I mean, if you look, I, I was looking at stats the other day and like five of the top 10 and nine of the top 20 are true are crime. all murder podcasts they're like wow. yeah these these true crime pro- podcasts yeah. so if you're not doing true crime or comedy or you're not a celebrity you're stuck somewhere you know down in the soup right sure yeah 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 it is i mean it is interesting because when you and i started and when we were doing even though when we started we were ended up on five by five, which is like not being nobody, right? We were on a network and doing right, that right, and right. ads and whatever like that. That seemed like the big times when we were doing it. Absolutely. Um, and to and get I to mean, that point again right now would be extraordinarily difficult because yeah, there's to start from so nothing much. and go there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think that there are still, I, I will tell you that it is very rare that I listen to a show let me back up. I was driving with my sister in a car the other day and something was playing on the radio. She was listening to XM radio. And I said, do you have any idea when this song came out? And she's like, no, I said, that's the problem. This song sounds like it could have come out anytime between 1994 (laughs) and now, you know what I'm saying? 
I do. And that's not me saying, <laughs> oh, I'm an old man. It, right, right. I mean, this is like, you know, I'm somewhat educated in this world and understand how it works. I just, I was listening to it and I was listening to the sound of the song and the, the way the guitars were played and the chord structure and like everything about it. Just, it's like, if you listen to something from the 1960s and something from the 1940s, you could just very distinctly tell what decade it was in. Right. Um, I feel like pop music in a lot of ways has really just kind of smooshed down and just like, like a floodplain. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. Like the great homogenization or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and occasionally I will find a new show. For example, the other day, uh, I was just thinking about the, the history of Christmas, like the whole, you know, origins of Christmas versus where it came from in Christianity. And I know a little bit about that and I've read articles and stuff like that, but I'm like, I wonder if there's an interesting podcast, like somebody's done a good, like three-parter about the history of Christmas, you know? Yeah. Like and has so Dan just, Carlin done like a, a, exactly. a deep dive yeah. on this? Yeah. Yeah. And there are people like Dan Carlin who, man, I can listen to Dan Carlin talk about literally the phone book. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I'm just like riveted, you know? But I, I found this guy and it turned out and, I, you know, I'm not trying to disparage anybody who is religious, but I am not religious. And it turned out that it was it was a quasi, you know, go Christ podcast. Um, but 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 the reason I bring it up is that it started and he said, you know, what, well, where did Christmas come from? Whatever. And then it breaks into like three minutes of of people talking, like reading quotes over it with with reverb, like. Where did the sun come from? <laughs> you know, it is he, the light beyond yonder. You know, and you're like, what is going on? Like, what is this? And then it cuts into. Did you have to look down at your phone at any point to make sure you were listening to the same thing still? To, to, okay, funny, funny point of fact. I was actually in the shower. I have like one of those little Bluetooth speakers so I can like put something on and hop in the shower. And I like taking a long shower. So I'm like in the shower and I'm like, the hell is going on in this show? I'm like, is still the same show? And then it cuts from that and it ends up like it's like this singing. And usually, you know, you'll have like a 10 or 15 second, like little musical interlude between right. sections, you know. But the thing goes on for like a minute and a half. And you're just, what is this? It was like this Gregorian chant in the middle of the podcast and not as like a connecting <laughs> tissue. It was just, it was weird. And I got out and I said, what the? I, I, I hit stop and I was like, what the hell was that? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I felt like I'd fallen down some sort of, you know, hyperspace tunnel or something. Oh my um, God, that's funny. So I guess my, my point being is that I think that just because there are a billion podcasts out there, I don't think all of them are interesting to listen to. Right. You know, and I, I don't think that there has been some incredible shift. I mean, short of the, the, the shows that have, you know, where they're spending thousands of dollars an episode to produce them. Right. Um, you know, if you're doing research for six weeks and you're editing everything to within an inch of its life, like they do on Radiolab, where somebody starts telling a story and they interject with a, the shorter version of the story because the person took too long telling the story. Right, you know, right, right. right. Um, they kind of let that person trail off in the background yeah, yeah, as yeah. they're explaining over the top of them. Exactly. Are you going to do that to me when you edit this? Is that what's going to happen? You never know. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um you know, other than those kinds of things, which I understand, which are very sort of journalistic right. pursuits, I think that we have enough process journalistic, journalistic pursuits in the world. I think that the world needs stuff that's a little bit more two people talking, which is what I always liked about you and I, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, some people have chemistry and some people don't. And some people like somebody's chemistry and some people don't, you know? So yeah, it just... It, uh, I haven't listened to anything in the past few years that makes me think, wow, this is a quantum leap in the art form. And I see why it's so 
big, you know? Yeah. Um, it just seems like it's either more of the same with higher budgets or it's people getting on mic and actually not understanding how to communicate with people. So it's really uninteresting right. or, you know, 15 minutes of Gregorian chants in the middle of a history. <laughs> Tooth <podcast>. and throat <laughs> singing. Yeah. 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 Like there's this, there's, a, there's, there's a, there's a podcast I'm listening to a history. I, I listen to a bunch of history podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one called the rest is history, which is like these two British guys, one whose name interestingly is Tom Holland which is just really funny because not that Tom Holland, not that Tom Holland, a different Tom Holland. Although he just just talks about Zendaya for an hour and a half. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, and their, their, their show is just the two of them like discussing, you know, Oh, let's, uh, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, um, uh, you know, how cricket fits into the world, you know, I mean, history and they go into a Rasputin or the CIA or, you know, Oh, see, that sounds cool. What's it called again? It's called the rest is history. That sounds cool. And, and they're two nerdy British guys who probably went to Oxford or Cambridge. You know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of thing, you know? Um, and I'll listen to that. And sometimes it's, in, but there's an interesting thing because uh, Tom Holland of the show wrote a book called Dominion, I think it's called. Anyway, it's apparently like the book about the impact of Christianity and history of the last 2000 years, basically oh, like wow. all. And while I think that that is true and I think it's very interesting and whenever he brings it up, it's sort of, it's sort of like saying, you know, water had a big impact on things that went on in the ocean. It's like, well, of course it did. We've been, you, you know, what's you know, a good Western thing, Bill world has been Christian for oxygen. Oxygen is pretty good. <laughs> He's like, did you know that Christianity had a lot to do with the middle ages? It's like, yeah, I'm aware of that. Thank you. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, in answer to your question, I haven't been adding all that much. If anything, I've been trying to, just go down to like nerdy fact-based things. You ever listen to No Such Thing as a Fish? No. There's a, uh, you know, QI, that TV show in yeah. the UK? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. So it's the people who come up with the the QI elves, as they're called, who come up with all the questions. Oh, wow. It's them doing a weekly podcast where each of them brings up a fact of the week, and then the other ones just sort of riff off of that fact for 15 minutes. And then they go to the next fact. Oh, that's cool. And it's funny, and they're irreverent, and, you know, it's it's silly but that i mean so there's those kinds of things but mostly i just listen when i want to take a walk or something you know around the train um yeah it's weird do, do you think that you're i mean your and i's our hours years <laughs> you know what i mean uh has our lifestyles really changed i mean i can't spend time with a lot of other people at various points in the last couple of years you know yeah. because like right now i'm not going to go hang out with some strangers in a room with a, without a mask on. Um, do you think, but, but really is, pandemic yeah. aside, would you want to do that anyway? Well, me, yes. Hmm. Well, I, you know, cause I mean, I'd want to go talk to them and take their picture and do that kind of thing. Right. Like that's uh, yeah, what I yeah, enjoy okay. doing. Well, yeah. If, okay. If you're going to bring photography into the, yeah, I can understand <laughs> If you're going to bring photography, if you're going to bring that show. whole thing that you've been doing for the last <laughs> however many years. Yeah. I miss, I miss that a lot. Yeah. Um, but if if you didn't know the pandemic was happening within your lifestyle and you you know no one was talking about it on the shows you do and stuff would it be a big change to your life the last couple of years no yeah no i don't think so i mean and if I anything think there are a lot of people like that yeah if anything doing the kinds of things that 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 i've done for the past and that, and that you've done, well seen you're different though because you're you're <laughs> Your profession, your curiosity, your your job, your vocation, however we're going to refer to it, yeah. 
is dependent on a, on another person being in the same room with you. Yep. Yeah. So that, that and traveling happen to be two of the things that right. I have to do for right. work. Yeah. There, there is, there's really nothing that I can't do in terms of the kinds of shows that I do that I can't do remotely. Would I like to do them in person? Some of them, sure. Sure. But it doesn't keep them from happening. Whereas somebody like you, I mean, how have you, I mean, let's, let's pivot for a second. How have you even dealt with all of this? I mean, your, your productivity has to have been really hammered over the past couple of years, like what you've been able to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from a photographic point of view, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I still, you know, when people call me, I will go shoot and, you know, I've traveled to DC, you know, uh, a few months ago and I have to go up to Westchester in a couple of weeks and, you know, I shoot a lot in New York and people come to me. <laughs> Um, at least before Omicron was happening, there was yeah. a respite there where people would come to me and I shot a bunch of author photos and stuff for friends. And, um, has how you take photographs changed and turn, are you, are you using longer lens so you can stay further no. away? Are you just masking yeah. up? What are you doing? Um, well, when it was really bad, I was masking up Yeah, mostly because people required me to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then one, um, you know, over the last summer, say when things were better and we all had, we were all, uh, vaccinated and whatnot. Um, that, that got a lot better and now it's getting worse again, which is frustrating. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's two things. It's one, it's, it's, you know, money, you right. know, not being able to work to make money, which is, you know, it's fine, you know, but it sucks to, to, I mean, is there less work? Yeah. I don't know if there's less work period or if there's just less work that I can do because I can't fly to Chicago, you know, uh, easily. Right. Um, and then the other side of it, which is in some ways the more important one to me is just the mental health side of being with other people. Right. I like being with other people. I like hearing their stories. I like talking to them and being face to face and having that sort of intimacy that happens when I take portraits, mm -hmm. um, that I psychologically miss a lot. Uh, and do it when I can. But, you know, people, even if you want to just shoot for fun, people are more iffy about it right now because of yeah. all of this, right? You yeah. Know, for the last few weeks and, you know, a couple of months. And, and, um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem. But, you know, what I've, what I sort of decided to do is I, you know, I started sort of branching out and I was been doing some writing and this kind of stuff just because I need to give my brain something to, grab its teeth into and you know i my my sister has a little jack russell terrier and you he's old he's like 13 years old but if you put something in front of him he'll grab onto it and he will not let go right that's what jack <laughs> russell terriers do right, right 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 and i need one of those things you know i just i like i need that thing to just sort of grab onto and be like okay yeah this is what i'm doing for the next whatever you know x right. weeks or months or years um well, for a while when we were when we would touch base you would be often going to or coming from the library where you would go sit and write is that still kind of in your wheelhouse it is but yeah. you know even the library has become a problem right i mean yeah. do i really want to go sit in a public space with a bunch of other people even masked um last week actually i went to um i was in town cuz i had to go to the dentist and uh so uh, her office is just like eight blocks away from the, or actually six blocks away from the, uh, from the main Fifth Avenue library, mm, which mm -hmm. I've never gone to actually just sit down and work in. And I thought, I'm going to go sit down and work there. And I went and it was Christmas time. So there were a billion tourists around, like not as many as there normally would be, but way more than, you know, in the past couple of years. 
And they all wanted to go into the, I guess it's the Rose Room, I think it is, the the big main, you know, the one in all the movies. Right. Um, but th- there's, you know, there's security people that are they're like, no entering except for quiet study and blah, 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 blah. And, and I like push through all these tourists. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here to work. And they're like, yeah, come on through, sir. And I was like, this is cool. Nice. <laughs> and I go in and yeah, but there's, there are, you know, 50 tables, big giant tables. And there's only like one person at each one or something, you know, I mean, it was empty enough and it was a huge room and, and ironically enough, or, you know, as it happens, one of the scenes in the thing that I'm writing right now is actually takes place in that room. So I just sat there and described the room in the script. Um, cause I was sitting there looking at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, so there are those things. Yeah. I like going somewhere. I mean, it's also, you know, we live in a 700 square foot space that is one big room we live like in like a little loft kind of space mm-hmm. so my wife has been working it from home when it when the covid gets bad and they shut down the office it's like well i don't know about you but if you were in a room with other people could you be creative just in a room with other people talking and doing stuff i, I, I have can't. a hard enough time being creative by myself <laughs> so yeah, no exactly I, yeah. I don't know that i could so so i mean that that is a huge i mean it's it's no fault of my wife, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, but, but it is a, there are times when it sort of bubbles up where I'm just like, I need to be alone. Right. Cause I've, I've, I've built up this whole sort of practice, I guess, which involves me being alone for seven hours a day, you know? Um, and, and I don't get to do that anymore as much. Um, and that is like right now I am at, a friend of ours is out of town and lives down a few blocks away and gave me her keys so I could work here when, you know, she's not going to be here. So it's empty. So right. I'm, I'm over at my friend Bianca's house and it's like, okay, well, this is fine. This is nice, but this is just for this week, you know, or last right. week. It's short week. term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it is, uh, this is all, you know, complicated. It, it changes. I, I guess my bigger question is I'm used to the way this is. I don't like the way this is the way the world feels right now, as far as how it interacts with my creativity and what I do and everything because of the people. And, but will it ever go back to normal or is everyone just going to be working from home forever? And (laughs) there is no solitude anymore, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, I know that like Adrian's company, they, they keep pushing back the office open date and Mm -hmm. they've talked to everyone and, many people, in fact, I think most people are going to be able to work remotely or do some sort of hybrid, but this can't be the only company out there that's, that's doing stuff like that. Long term, how will this change the geography of, of cities and in terms of, of, you know, if you don't have to live in a city, are you going to live in a city? Yeah. The problem is, is that cities, I mean, yes, the businesses and all that stuff is all a very important thing, but you know, people congregating together is also where the arts always are, is always, you know I mean, like now whether those things can survive without the businesses also being there, I guess we'll, we'll see, but you know, I don't think New York is going to collapse tomorrow. No, 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 Uh, no, that's not what I'm suggesting. But there is, there is part of me in my head where I was just like, okay, well, you know, we just spent, um, we were up at, um, Conrad's mother's place up in Vermont for a few days, two weeks ago. And, and we were down in Northern Virginia this last week, you know, I don't want to live in rural Vermont or, uh, you know, uh, suburban Virginia, like, right. you know, but I go to both of those places and I feel 
claustrophobic from lack of any, I just feel like, I feel like I'm floating and I need to be grounded. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's um, what the city gives you. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. there are other people around and there's things go- happening and, and other people pursuing things. It's not just like me out in a field and have, it's like, I have no bearings in places like that. Yeah. And I grew up in, it's not like I grew up in the city. I grew up in, you know, and, and I think her mother at one point said, don't, don't you want a house and land? I was like, no, I yeah. really don't. <laughs> I, I have a big giant park two blocks away that somebody right. else mows. So I don't have to. Right, right, right. So for me, I, I like the fact that there are a lot of people around. Um, and so I worry about, yeah, the long-term thing of that, but, and some people I know have left and moved up there. In fact, when I was up in Vermont, I went and hung out with a friend of mine, who moved up to there during the pandemic with his kid and wife and, and, you know, they're going to stay up there and it's like, okay, you know, good for you. I, I, it doesn't, it's not interesting to me, but I guess if that is interesting to you, the question is also, how is that going to change all of those places? You know, the more people who move out right. to the middle of nowhere, that's changing what, right. It's no longer the middle, the middle of, nowhere. of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and everything goes in cycles. You know, I think there are a lot of people who moved out who will end up being, will end up moving back or, Younger people will move into the cities because it'll be the more interesting place. You know, something's going on still. You know, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's maybe it's the jolt that the world needed. Yeah, it's it's funny how you react. You know, we we went uh, a couple of months ago or a month ago, yeah, a couple of months ago. We went for uh, uh, stayed in an Airbnb in West Virginia, like up in the mountains in West Virginia. Yeah, and and I have you know I've always had this thing like, oh man, wouldn't it be great to have a place like, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere and, and just, you know, sure. out. It's not, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. I, I mean, again, yeah, it's not for me. You know, you want to go get a cup of coffee and it's a half hour drive down the mountain. You know, you forgot something at the grocery store. It's a half hour drive down. Like, ugh. Yeah, I just yeah. I hated it. Hated it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because a uh, relative of, of Heather says, you know, you know, you guys have your grocery stores and you only buy food for, you know, a day or two. You know, we don't have, I mean, we have pasta and stuff in the, in the fridge, but we don't go buy a week's worth of groceries. We just right. go buy what we want each day or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he, he's just like, well, you know, what happens if the world comes to an end? You're going to starve. And it's like, dude, if the world comes to an end, you're going to run out of gas in a day and a half. Like, right. what, you know, <laughs> like if the world comes to an end, we're all screwed. Like it's not just the cities, you know? Um, yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, I there was something I want to talk to you about. The, did, did you watch the Beatles documentary? I'm sure you've discussed this on other stuff. Uh, I have watched some of it. I have not watched all of it. Okay. Um, I was thinking about it the other day because we we watched it a few weeks ago, and I, it's been like stirring or spinning around in my head. Right. And the thing that I love about it is is that it it pulls away the veil of genius, you know, I mean, Paul McCartney and, and, and Lennon and Harrison are, are obviously, you know, some of the best songwriters of the last hundred years. But when you see them actually doing what they do, it looks pretty much like everybody else writing songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, Oh, I came up with a little riff. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Here, let's that, just, that, like, that little clip of, of Paul coming up with get back where he's just exactly. Ah, man, ah, man. Like you can see, you can see him working through the melody and the, and the other guys are just kind of looking at him. And then John sits down with the guitar and kind of joins just, in like, yep, mm. yep. And, and, and then you see them just beating away at it like a, like a, like a, a blacksmith 
you know, hitting it, heating it up, pulling it out, hitting it with a hammer, heating yeah. it up, pulling yeah, yeah, it out, yeah. hitting with a hammer for, you know, three more weeks before they actually sing it on, on tape. And that is exactly how I try to describe creativity, create creative pursuits to people who don't make stuff themselves, you know, because it's just like, yeah, somebody has an idea and then they just keep working at it until it's good. And maybe it's not good and they throw it out and they come up with some other idea. Like that's how everyone's always done it since the beginning of time. You know, nothing comes out fully formed. Nothing comes out perfect. Nothing is, you know, no one is some sort of genius where they don't even think about it. And it just, come, well, other than, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, who's, who's, who's the kid who has perfect pitch who, uh, who sings crazy oh, stuff? Jacob Collier. Jacob Collier. By yeah. the way, I saw Jacob Collier. Did I tell you this? Like at a show or just on no, the street? Like in front of me, three feet in front of me at a hotel recently. What? I, my mother was in town. We went for a walk. We, my mother, one of us needed to pee. We, I said, I think there's this hotel up here that we could like sneak down into the basement has a, the ground floor has a bathroom. And so we go in and we go down, we go to the bathroom, I'm waiting for her when I come out and whatever. We come up the stairs and there's this guy standing there holding a bag, like looking around, not knowing exactly where he's going. And there was like this weird, like, hold on a second. I know that guy. <laughs> was he wearing crazy he, pajama bottoms? Essentially. Yeah. And then he started like walking away and I was like, that was Jacob Collier. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I, 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 I keep kicking myself not to say, Hey, excuse me, are you Jacob Collier? You know, yeah, yeah, just yeah. say, you know, I love you. You're great. You know, keep it up. Um, we, uh, we managed to get tickets to his show in May at the nine 30 club. And how did you go? Oh, it's this coming May. Oh, this coming May. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's uh, all, all things being, you know, <laughs> if the world hasn't come to an end, all, all things being COVID, I think that <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's never going to end. Is it? I don't Are know. That I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm being, I feel like I'm being depressing today. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you something probably very similar. So go ahead. Let's see where we, where we land. No, no, no. Go ahead. What you got? Uh, I was, I was going to ask you if you, if you think about it or when you think about it, because I don't know to what degree you allow yourself to think about it. Do you feel hopeful? Um, Ooh, you want the real answer? Do you want yeah. the, <laughs> let's put on a shiny mask. No, I, no, I was, no. I, I was walking, uh, Heather and I were walking last night and we went for this long circuitous route up through the park and stuff in the dark because you know it's freaking dark all the time now uh, uh this is this time of year even the like, sun doesn't want to be around other people it i'll tell you man this time of year is <laughs> is my biggest problem spot yeah. you know do you uh, have one of those uh one of those lights you know those a those, sad light yeah. yes i do yeah. Uh, although I didn't use it this morning because I had to run over here to do this. Thanks, Jeffrey. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we were walking in the park and I said, you know, 20 years ago, like early aughts, even with George Bush in the White House and even with the Iraq War and even with 9-11, like it still felt like overall that was just somebody like kicking us back a couple steps. We were just going to keep walking forward. You know what I mean? Like that, mm -hmm. that, that the world was getting better. Technology was spreading that would allow education to get to people who couldn't have education. And you know what I mean? Like it felt like, oh, we're, we're, we're walking towards some sort of at least 
low-level utopia, right? Where like everyone will have access to stuff and, you know, the world will be a better place and we can communicate with each other and, you know, all of that. <clears throat> and then I said, it doesn't feel like we're going forward anymore. Yeah. It, it, I mean, between, you know, Russia's about to invade Ukraine and you know, like, all, did you watch the Don't Look Up? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think it was the greatest movie in the world, but I think it made me mad and sad in the way that it would make me mad and sad because it's too close to exactly how it would be, yeah. I think. You, you can sit there and go, yeah, I can see that happening. Yep. I can see that reaction. Yeah. Like the the people on the 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 Today Show kind of thing, where yeah. they're just like, "Well, I wouldn't want to wake up that morning or whatever." And right, you're like, right, right, right. No, you're. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. How about you give us something upbeat for the? And you're like, no, you. Yeah, don't don't you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and 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 I mean, I feel like that's true of you know democracy. I think that's true of you know women's rights and all these different things, right? Like that, it really does feel like we're just going back. We're not we're not progressing anymore. We're regressing in so many ways. And a lot of it has to do with like weird greed and stuff. I don't know. So, yeah. so am I hopeful? No, not at all. And I think that maybe, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's my depression talking or if the hopelessness is feeding my depression, you know? Um, right. Yeah. What's, but, what's the, what's the high fidelity? Was I, was I miserable because I listened to pop music or yeah. <laughs> was I listening to pop music because I was miserable? I was miserable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's a little bit like that. Um, yeah. you know, I, you know, you can do what you can do in life and I can be a good person in the best way that I know how, and I can treat people with respect that I meet and I can, you know, vote the way I'm going to vote and my beliefs, but a lot of it just feels futile to me. Yeah. Um, have you gotten to, uh, and well, I, I would a really sad statement. I <laughs> no, 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 it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's where you are. And I, I largely agree with you. Have you gotten to a point beyond just a fleeting moment where you, where you've gotten to that? What's the point of any of this? Or do you, do you, when that happens, do you have to quickly sort of push that out before it takes root? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. yesterday, yesterday I had, I woke up with a terrible migraine um, and I took drugs and I laid back down and I woke up and it was still there and I took more drugs and I walked around a little bit and then laid down again and I woke up and it was still there and I'm not allowed to take more than two pills a day. Right. So then I was like, well, can't take any more triptans. Now what do I do? And, um, you know, because we were down in DC, I wasn't exercising a lot. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to, we were just watching old CSI episodes or something just last night. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get on the rower. No, we've been, we've been, I've been rowing a lot lately. Yeah. Like I'm rowing for 40 minutes a day, almost every day. Um, Does that help the balance? Well, the, the, I think, well, first of all, I was doing it last night for headache reasons. Cause sometimes the exercise helps the headache. Mm -hmm. I think it just gets mm -hmm. blood flowing in your brain, you know, and mm -hmm. it like kind of, um, and in the end it actually did really help my headache, but I don't know if it helped my headache because of that or because of endorphins, right. You know, if you yeah, go, sure. You go exercise for 40 minutes, um, you're going to have some endorphins. Um, so for me, I've found that I can't let it take root. And the one thing that sort of saved me is a lot of exercise lately. Um, but, but that also feels, I mean, it's not like taking a pill, but it's, 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 it also feels, um, reactive, mm. you know, 
as opposed to being proactive about it. But I, but on so many levels, man, what else can we do but react? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. And I mean, that's, and that's why, you know, people, all the, all the portrait projects I've done over the years and whatever else that I do, and I'm sure to some level with your paintings and everything, it's like, I do it not because it's like, yeah, I want to do it, but I know if I don't, I will feel better if I do it than if I don't do it. So sure. I should do it, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and so, so much of those things isn't, it isn't, it isn't that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go take portraits today. It's just <laughs> that if I know if I go to bed tonight and I've done that, that will keep the dogs at bay. Yeah. At least I've you know? done that. At least there's that. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I yeah. can't say, wow, you just wasted a day, you know? Yeah. And I don't, it, God, this is sounds such a, such a depressing episode. Um, I also keep having these sort of catastrophizing kind of things about, you know, getting sick or my wife getting sick or, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Like oh, yeah. all, all of this, like, oh my God, like, cause you know what? One of us is going to die before the other one, you know, mm -hmm. like all of that. And you're just like, oh my God, that could happen tomorrow. That could happen, you know. And then you start wondering like, well, who gives a crap about any of this stuff? <laughs> We're right. all going to die. Anyway. You can get really nihilistic really quickly, you know? Um, so yeah, the, the, the light doesn't help. COVID doesn't help. Not being able to see other people doesn't help, you know? Um, I, I, I will tell you that, I mean, there have been times in the last couple of months, if I go and I write and I have a good day and I write 10, 15 pages of something, you know, some crazy good day, <clears throat> um, I will, I will be, have a really serious buzz about that, you know? Yeah, sort of that, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like that's how that's done. But you know, but that's fleeting, right? You know, and then you. Do you treat right the down. writing as exercise? Like, do you, do you sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write for 45 minutes or do you treat it as pages or do you just say, I got to, I've got to get something out today? I try to, I make myself sit there and work on it. Now, whether working on it means actually writing dialogue. I'm doing screenplays. So yeah. uh, it's, it's either writing dialogue, which is a lot of it, but right now I'm working on a time travel movie mm -hmm. and there are, you know, four characters and they're all interacting and how they get where they go. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of sort of puzzle pieces to fit together. Um, so a lot of it is like, hold on a second. How did she get that thing in her hand? Oh, I got to go back there and figure out a time where she picks this up. You know, it's, it ends up being very video gamey kind of in yeah, your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there are times when I know how it's going to begin. I know generally how this thing is going to end. Uh, how do I get from here to there in a way that makes sense and is interesting? And so then you're, it's sort of putting puzzle pieces together rather than writing dialogue. Right. And some days you go in and you work for two hours and you've gotten almost nowhere and then some days you sit down and you write 10 pages, you know, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's, I find photography to be far more, um, um, linear. You know what I mean? Like it, if I'm with somebody at the end of it, I'm going to have some sort of portrait. It might not be the best thing I've ever done, but it's going to be a thing. Right. When there's times when I sit down to write and I'm like, I've, I'm nowhere. You know. <laughs> so you don't, you don't allow yourself to take the win based on the effort unless there's something to show for it is what it sounds like. Well, I mean, I, even if to show for it is an idea, that's one thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but th there's also a lot of, I'm just going to go walk for an hour yeah, and just let this stuff roll around in my head like marbles, you know, and maybe, maybe they're going to, maybe something's going to come up, you know, 
um, I, you know, I used to, I used to, because when I get writing and I have something I know how to write, I can just sit there and write dialogue. Like I, I'm, I, I understand that at some intuitive level. When I hear when people say, you know, I've been writing this thing for seven years and I've, you know, never finished the book or whatever it is. And I, I used to think, well, you know what? There's, you know, the only difference between thinking it and getting it done is doing it, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and there is, there is some of that where it's just like, just sit down and write and finish it. And then you can revise from there, like get a first draft and then revise. Now I realize that a lot of writing is just time that takes, it just takes time to sort of come up with the idea and refine the idea. It's not actually the doing, it's the sort of it's it's the birthing of it yeah, that yeah. is the hard part. You know, would you give those people for. different advice now than you did then? I still think that they're, you know, the the decisions are made by those who show up, right? You know, if you go and you write a book, even if it's a super crappy book, but you finished writing a book and it's done, you're ahead of ninety percent of the people who ever said they wanted to write in the first place. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Because most people never actually finish anything, and I think in life there's a lot of people who are, I guess, scared to start, you know, um, I couldn't possibly paint. I don't know how to paint. It's like, well, get some paints and some paper or canvas and just start messing with it. Right. You know, That's like yeah. 90% of what I do. <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> Look at Jeffrey. Just, he has I, no idea how to paint. I don't know what I'm doing. I just put stuff down <laughs> and see where it goes. Right. But I mean, and then if you realize that you need some, oh, how did Van Gogh do that? Oh, it's some technique that I don't understand. You know what? There's probably a YouTube video where a person, somebody's showing how to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a doer, not a sit around and, and talk about it. Yeah, you've always been. I mean, since I've known you, anyway, you've you've been. I mean, that that my friend Jeff used to say, you know, it's always better to be doing than thinking about doing. And you've always been in that doing camp since I've known you. Whether or not it turns out great, whether or not it's something that you go, oh, this is the best X Y Z I've ever done. The experience of doing it, the process of doing it, is typically and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is typically where you gravitate to without just sitting there before you'll just sit there and think about it. Sure. I mean, because I think, and I think that that's part of what is frustrating about the writing process is that a lot of it actually is sitting there and thinking about it. Cause right. if you don't have the idea, you can't do anything else. You know, you don't, if you don't have the answer to the puzzle, you can't start writing out the puzzle. Um, but, and no, that is true. But I think part of that is because I, my, uh, pleasure that I get out of doing things is from doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that, you know, yeah. Why are you sitting around talking about it? You're missing the best part. You know, <laughs> thinking about playing baseball and playing baseball, playing baseball is probably way more interesting than thinking about playing baseball. So pick up a bat and play baseball, you know, right. like if that's what we're going to do, the playing is the experience, whether you won, whether you lost, whether you were nervous on the way to the fields, like none of that really matters because the only thing, the only part of that that has to exist in that equation is actually playing the baseball. All the rest of it is just like, oh, did we even keep score? No? Okay, well, who cares? We played baseball. You know, there's still, you see what I'm saying? Like that there's, it's the only part that, 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 that can't not be there. You know, it's like sometimes I, sometimes I worry if, if there's some shoot that I'm doing where a lot of people are involved 
you know, it's like, oh, there's makeup artists and wardrobe and people and, you know, there's 10, 15 people there, but I'm the only one that's actually has to be there, me and the subject. If the makeup artist wasn't there that day, we could probably still do the thing. If the producer person wasn't there that day, it would probably still, we'd figure out a way to get food and make sure everything happened, you know? Um, but if I'm not there with my camera, then nothing's happening. Right. Uh, and, and so I feel like, you know, there's always like sort of a keystone, uh, to an experience. And I think, you know, the sitting down and the writing or the sitting down with the paints and the doing it or the sitting down with a camera and taking the pictures. I mean, that's the keystone, all the rest of it's just window dressing. Um, so yeah, I like, I like just doing it. It's a, you know, did you you ever hear about the hedonic treadmill? No, there's this hedonic treadmill. Yeah. There's this, there's this theory called the hedonic treadmill, which basically, uh, basically the idea is that, um, that we, we pursue one pleasure after another, right? We're just trying to like bump up our endorphins, right? Because every time you feel something positive, eventually you go back down to your baseline. So, you know, you just got a job where you make twice as much. Well, that feels great for three or four months, but then eventually you're going to go sit right back down where you were before, just because that's where you're naturally sit on the line. Right. Um, For people like you and I, sometimes I wonder if, you know, we're constantly chasing some sort of even if it is an external affirmation, some sort of affirmation of, oh, we did that thing and now we're one step up on the ladder and we can be proud of that and then we can work for the next step up on the ladder. But the reality of it is is that we always kind of feel like we're right back down where we started no matter how much we ever achieve. I don't know. Do you feel that way or? Every day. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, hello. (laughs) Right. And so so these, well, I just want to make sure nothing changed in the last few months. (laughs) Last... 13 years. Yeah. Well, so, but I guess the, the, apparently the, the, the argument goes basically that people are just wired a certain way mm. and people like you and I will never feel satisfied just because we're not ever wired to feel satisfied long-term. And that, so trying to overcome that with achievement or, you know, anything else is, is, is kind of folly. Um, Cause it'll so, never work so then why do is the enjoy, is it just for the enjoyment of the doing? If, if we yeah. know that we're going to come back to, let's say we're, we're, we're at a sliding scale of four out of 10. If no yeah. matter what happens, we're going to, it's a good day. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> we're going to slide back to that four out of 10. Why spike at all? If it's not really going to go below that, or if it does go below it, it'll, it'll rise back up to that four out of 10. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it in the doing? I, I don't know. I don't I know. Guess you're, a, you're, 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 it's, this sounds really sad, but it, I don't mean it as such, but you know, it's, it's like you're passing time, right? You're, I, I feel like that a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, it's like, I have, I have this time that's going and I might as well do something that makes me feel better temporarily, you know? Right. I mean, people, apparently the, there are a few examples of people, uh, hedonic adaptation identified by psychologists, uh, lottery winners, right? People who win lotteries are, oh my God. And then in the end, they either spend it all or they're just right back where they started. Um, there, there was a, the same though, true is true negatively. If you are generally a positive person, they met a bunch of people who ended up getting in car accidents and were paraplegics or quadriplegics. 
And the people who were happy before eventually end up being happy again, even though they can't really. Work. Yep. And it's the same phenomenon. Yep. Yep. Wow. So wow. so it, it actually lifts you up if you go below as well as pulls you down if you go above. But that that your baseline or my baseline is largely just, you know, DNA and and I guess upbringing or you know yeah. i mean i'm sure there's got to be some element of of i wonder when that connection or when that when 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 does that solidify is there an age, age? Is, yeah, yeah 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 i don't know it's but but it it really does <laughs> every time i i've read about it yeah here we go the aforementioned brickman study researchers interviewed 22 lottery winners and 29 paraplegics to determine their change in happiness levels due to their given event uh, in, the, in the event of the case of lottery winners had taken place between one month and one and a half years before the study, in the case of paraplegics, a month and a year. The group lottery winners reported being similarly happy before and after the event and expected to have a similar level of happiness for a couple of years. These findings show that having a large monetary gain had no effect on their base level baseline level of happiness for both present and expected happiness in the future. They found the paraplegics... Uh, reported having a higher level of happiness in the past uh, than the rest due to nostalgic effect, a lower level of happiness at the time of the study. Uh, but surprisingly, they also expected to have similar levels of happiness uh, to the rest in a couple of years. One wow. must note the paraplegics did have an initial decrease in life happiness, but you know that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a question of you know why are we trying to chase for that new car or that cover of a magazine or whatever, right? You know, yeah. Um, I guess some of it feels a little bit like a drug, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, in the sense that it's just this sort of momentary or fleeting blast. Right. But then when the, when the new wears off or when, you know, whatever it is, you do get back to kind of where, where you've always been, I guess, or where you, where where you always remember being. Let me ask you a question. When you, you just finished that, series right yes the, the how many 36 what 36 you panels yeah 36 panels okay where in the process did you get your biggest boost having the idea laying out the wood doing the first coats finishing you know like actually stepping back and looking at the finished level like was there is there a point at which you get spikes of of pleasure yes two two spikes that i can point to you know kind of right off the bat when i first kind of designed them because I prevised all of them. And I was like, wow, these are really cool. I really like these. And then when they finally came together, the interim process of laying down each color individually, laying down texture, like, like all of those interim processes, I get very frustrated because I don't think it's going to come together in the end. And that's any painting I've ever done. It's, it's when you finally put that, you know, that last element or those, those last several elements on there and you, you, you see what it is that, that you hoped or wanted or thought it was going to be, even if it was different than the, the original kind of previs, if it, if it comes together as something, there's a spike. Yeah. But that doesn't last long because now you're like, okay, what's next? Right. But you said at the beginning, you get one too. Yeah. At the beginning I get one because now you're, there's the excitement of starting something new. There's the but excitement. Is it, is, it, is it the thought or is it the actual putting the first things down or, or, or like setting it all up? I missed that part. Sorry. I love the setting up part. Okay. I, I, okay. I love, you know, seeing that. Clearing that, the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, right, I, let's I get everything off this tool, this table. I need to use this table for real work. Yes. And, and I do that with every project after I finish I, I sort of retape or repaper the bench and, uh, 
and get it ready to start again. And that's exciting. But then yeah. there's that lull if it lasts too long. If that bench stays blank for too long, I fall. And I go, right. I go, okay, well, now I can't think of anything to, now. What am I supposed to do? What was I going to do? I was going to do something. What was I going to do? Sure. Until that spike of, oh, now here's this thing. Yeah. It's the same way with recording. It's the same way with talking to people. Sure. You know, I get very excited when I talk to somebody. I'm nervous. I'm t- you know, even like you and I have done 10,000 hours. I still get yeah. nervous when I talk to you yeah. because it's that unknown of where is it going to go? Is it going to go someplace interesting? Is he going to be interested? Is she going to be interested? Am I going to be interesting? All yeah. of that stuff. But then when we're doing it, I could do this all day long. Yeah. 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 The, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? The way we, we, we get nervous. Do you think that people who are, do you think Steph Curry gets nervous before each game? Or do you think he knows, yeah, I'm the guy who can hit 70% of my three pointers, you know? I don't know a lot about him, but I watch like little YouTube clips. Like I watched one the other day where he like ran up in the stands and, and just threw this incredibly long shot yeah. and it was like nothing but net. And I just, yeah. I can't even fathom that yeah. kind of hand-eye coordination, dexterity, skill, practice that goes, I can't fathom that. So it doesn't look like he gets nervous, but you know, if there's a, you know, if there's a ring on the line or, or there's a, you know, whatever it is, I, I don't, maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah. But they have to, those guys at that level have to be so confident in their ability. I don't know. Do, do you think nervousness helps? Helps me. It does. Yes. What, like the, a little bit of adrenaline? It's, it's the adrenaline and it's, it's the, it's the, I'm, I'm paying attention more because I'm nervous. I don't, I don't want to just phone anything in, whether that's, you know, whatever it is that I'm, that I'm trying to do. If I'm nervous about it, if I'm, if, if there's a chance that it can go up in flames and I'm conscious of that, I tend to pay attention harder. I tend to try harder. I tend to be more present or I try to be more present in whatever I'm doing. Um, what about you? I don't know. It's interesting if I have, if I'm shooting and for some reason I'm nervous because it's somebody important or I don't have a lot of time or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I find that the nervousness, the minute I pick up my camera and take a couple shots and I was like, oh yeah, that's what I do. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm. there's a little bit of like, hey, that looks like my, wait a minute. Yeah, I know <laughs> that. Looks that. Like I took that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? Um <laughs> Um, the minute I'm there and everything's working and clicking and I know the camera didn't stop working, you know what I mean? Like they're like where it's the logistics that make me nervous mm-hmm. more than the, are we going to get there on time? Is the door going to be locked? Are we going to have, you know, is the battery going to be dead in the thing? You know, it's those questions that drive my nerves and I want to reduce those as much as I can. It's not right. usually the doing, usually the doing is sort of where I eat. You know, that feels yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, this is, this is completely natural. Here I am talking to the CEO of some big company, but like, he's just some guy, right. you know, and I'm just right. some photographer who's talking to him. Like, this is, this is fine. This is what you do. You've done it literally thousands of times before you're going to be okay. You know, um, that, that part, yeah, it, usually it dissipates. And then afterwards I have a buzz of like, whoo, that went well, you know? So I guess maybe there's some. The more nervous I am before, the more it feels like a buzz afterwards. A lot yeah. of times, you know, I can see that. Sure. Um, I how do you how about how about getting getting not rid of work? So 
do you remember like uh, 11, 12, 12 years ago? I, I did that gallery show with a bunch of the Drabbles uh, yes. here in New York. Okay. Yeah. And talked about it and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, there were these 20 by 30 inch prints of, I think, all of the Drabbles um, up at this gallery. And, you know, some of them that didn't sell, I kept, you know, I have at home in these frames, 20 by 30 inch prints on gator board, you know, that are like in these frames. Um, and, you know, we're trying to drastically reduce it. We're, we're all, at some point in the future, we're looking to, to, you know, have buy a place to live and most likely it'll have less storage than the place we have now. So we're trying to reduce our stuff, you know, right. just like shedding crap. And one of the things that takes up two shelves in the closet are these prints of these mm. troubles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yes, they cost probably, you know, a thousand dollars to get made or whatever it is. So like, there's the money part of it. Um, but it's also like, that's my work. You know what I mean? They're not like the, the official, official prints that I signed and stamped and stuck in a box. Right. But they are, you know, a, a, a relic of a success, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and they have value. Right. Right. And I mean, a couple of them, maybe they got scratched over the years. Maybe they got, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not in perfect shape either, but I also don't want to just fold them up and stick them in the trash. Right. You know, um, how are you with that kind of stuff? Do you Same. Keep, okay. Same. Yeah. So there's a, there are shelves in the closet with stuff you did 15 years ago that you just don't want to get rid of or can't get rid yes. of. Or, yes. And most and likely to be there a, when you die and then what, you know? hundred and some odd panels downstairs that, that are... I don't know what's going to happen with them. I have no plan for that. Right. But I can't just, they mean something. Every one of them means something. It's interesting though, that yours and my problems are in some ways the inverse of each other because your panel is the original. You can Mm -hmm. take pictures of it and have a file on your computer, but that's not, that's a reproduction. Right. My thing actually is a reproduction of what was the original, which is a file on your computer. Um, I could make another one of mine and you wouldn't know, you, you know, most people could never see the difference. Right. Um, so I wonder if that makes any difference. Yeah. For yours, yours is an actual object. Mine is just an object of a success that I had. And th- so I feel weird about it. Uh, maybe I could just put them outside and see if people take them as art. You could do drops and, and sort of stash them all over the city. Yes. And Free like take art. a take. Yeah. And take a photo, take a photo from, from its point of view. Like what, wherever you, wherever you place that piece, Yeah, you know, put your camera perpendicular to the surface and whatever, whatever it sees, that's the, that's the hint. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. And people can go grab it. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey, I can't get people to take them anyway. You think (laughs) (laughs) they're not going to go looking for it. (laughs) It's, but it's also, you know, this was stuff that I did 12 years ago. I've taken Mm -hmm. better picture since I've, you know, I'm happier with my work since like, do these things matter? You know, they matter in so far as they got you to this point, right? They matter because without that point on the continuum, there's a, there's a void there and, and, and you can't know, you can't possibly know what that experience brought to your life. Absolutely. But I also, you know, I'm sure Dan Winters at his house in Texas has a huge studio space where he's got hundreds of random prints and things he's done over the years rolled up in tubes. Yeah. Right. Right. Like we all do. Right. I mean, right. So do, do we collect these things as some sort of armor? Like this, you know, you could go in your closet or, or on your wall downstairs and you could say, I, this is what I produced. 
So I'm not just the Jeffrey who started 25 years ago. I am this Jeffrey who has all this, who has all these medals on my chest. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I wonder if, if, if my house burned down now and all I had was a hard drive of my finished images and all the rest of it just went away or whatever, would I feel less than I've still accomplished all those things. I've still done all of that work. That's a good question. I mean, I, I, I can, I, the only way I can relate to that off the top of my head is none of the design work that I did back in the day has survived. I never kept screenshots. I didn't keep like none of the stuff that I did at Universal Studios. I kept none of the stuff that I did for Disney. I kept none of the stuff I did for Warner Brothers. I kept, I don't have, you know, if I were going to go get a design job or get back in the game somehow, I have nothing to show anyone. I know I did it. Yeah. I know how I felt when I did it, but there's no evidence of me having done it. And not that any of the stuff that you and I did 20 years ago would be relevant to people oh, no. today anyway. It would be awful now. Like the, the and, tastes have changed. The aesthetics yeah. have changed. Yeah, every, everything. And, or you couldn't play any of it because half of it's in Flash. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Install the latest version of Flash Player to view my portfolio. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so using that as an example, do you feel like you never did those things? And if you had it, you would feel different about it? Or does it feel like, well, that was a time in my life and... I moved on and, and it's it's not that I it's not that I feel less than it's it's that I can't show anyone else can't prove yeah you can't prove it and you m- more than that you can't show a progression you only have where I am now you can't see where I was 25 years ago yeah so there's there's a lack of context there's a lack of of uh the continuity has been broken and you just have to take me at my word okay but short of a Jeffrey Sidoris retrospective at the Tate. <laughs> Doesn't that um, just sound ridiculous? <laughs> uh, that just um, sounds silly. Now you're just being silly. No, but okay. But short of something like that, does anybody care where you came from? No. Right. No. Um, but we hold on to those things, don't we? I mean, you do the same thing. Sure. I know a ton I mean, of people who do the same thing. We still keep... You know, this, that, and the other. And why? Years ago, I I went through, because I used to have, you know, client folders of design work or web stuff that I'd done. Mm-hmm. And there was like folders and folders. And eventually I just made one big zip file and it was like old web work. And here it is on my Synology somewhere. And I'm sure I could go back there if I really cared. Right. But it's not 10,000 little files all over the place. It's like one stupid giant zip file that I can, or, you know, disk image or whatever. That is just everything. On, on uh, a SyQuest drive in your, clo- in your closet. <laughs> Actually, you know, a uh, uh, quick aside, um, I I was looking through in the process of, you know, reducing our stuff. I found a box full of DAT tapes from back oh, in my no. audio days. Which wow. Most complicated device ever created. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for those of you who don't know, a DAT was a digital audio tape. It was a, like, it looked like one of those, um, like, high eight kind of cassette right. Uh, right. things. A little bit thinner, like, less thick, like, uh, 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 ice cream sandwich-wise, less thick ice cream sandwich. Um, and it recorded two tracks of 16-bit uh, audio. So it was, like, CD-quality audio on a tape. And this is what people would mix to in studios 25 years ago. Um, and so I have all these DAT tapes from school and and whatnot. And, and most of them... Most of it is all stuff that I'm sure I have somewhere as a wave file that I transferred years ago, or you know, it's on a CD somewhere in my in my CDR that may or may not be readable somewhere. Yeah, right. But I don't have a DAT deck anyway. 
And oh, you don't I have any more DAT players? No, I got rid of mine 12, 15 years ago or mm, something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I can't read it anyway. Um, I could go buy a DAT deck or whatever. But like, am I really going to do that? And do I really care? And I can right. look through and I can say, oh, look at this. There's this thing I did with this woman in school. And like, I remember that. That was a really great day. And so there is a wash of nostalgia of just looking at that DAT deck and I'm, or the tape. And I'm sure if I did listen to it, I would have some sort of sense memory, right? Of, sure. of having made sure. it. I, but, but, but that, the, actually, the, the, the tedium of that actual object might ruin that sense memory. Tr- yes, that, that is also true. And, uh, it's all real time, right? If you want to ingest this stuff, there's no way to just stick a tape in and just suck it down. You have to hit play and hit record. Even if I did have a thing, like it's all real time. Yeah. Well, also in this box were some mini DV tapes. Wow. And right. <laughs> I do have a mini DV camcorder that it was like sitting in the closet that I bought in 1999. Right. So I pull it out and I start flipping through these tapes and it turns out most of them are blank, except one has about 30 minutes of video from the house I grew up in, which includes my father. Oh, wow. On Christmas, 1999. Wow. So I wow. once years ago, there, there's a part of there's a four minute chunk of it where my father's telling a story, which I had pulled up years ago. But I knew that it basically if I don't ingest this now, it may it'll just get lost, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, this this deck is not going to work forever, you know. So then I'm thinking, OK, so I have this mini DV player and the way that you, I don't know if you remember this, but mini DV, the way you got it off best was Firewire. Yeah, so it sure. has a, it has like a mini four pin Firewire 400 jack on the back out to, and so I had a mini four pin Firewire 400 to a regular four, you know, six pin, whatever Firewire 400. And I thought, okay, now how do I get from Firewire 400 to 800 to Thunderbolt to Thunderbolt three? <laughs> So I looked it up and you can do it and it works apparently, but it's like $300 worth of adapters. Oh, wow. Really? Well, because each, a lot of those Thunderbolt ones are like 60 bucks a piece. So there's not just one sort of no box that goes one to the other. Well, if you were going to do, if I had a PC, I could just stick a, I could buy a $17 Firewire PCI, you know, right, 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 right. card and put it in there. And do it, but I don't have a PC anymore. So, you know, here we are. Right. And then I recalled, remembered that on a shelf, another thing we need to get rid of was a titanium power book from 2001. Nice. That'll do. That that a friend of Heather's gave us years Built ago. Built-in Firewire, right? Built-in Firewire 400. Yeah. So I was like, there's no way. <laughs> and I remember years ago, I cleaned it off. Like I, I completely wiped it. And I reinstalled whatever the latest Mac OS, you know, right. lion or something. That lion or tiger or something. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I stuck that on there and it, and so I, I pulled it out. I opened it up. It booted. Actually, no, no, no. It didn't boot at first. Do you remember the tie books? The, the, the keyboards had these like little tabs in the upper right-hand corner between the escape key and F1. And then over on the right that you had to like pull down and you could lift the keyboard yeah, up to get to the RAM. you could pull the keyboard up. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, the MacBooks had those two, the little white ones. Okay, yeah. Which I thought was actually a really clever way to get underneath there, but mm-hmm. whatever. And I think there's one screw in the middle, one little tiny like plastic screw in the middle. 
And so I did that. I pulled it up and it was giving me a, the, you know, they have the old, these things have the breathing light, you know, the, like the one little led that like yeah. went up and down. Yeah. The little throbber. Yeah. Right. So I hit power and just gives me blip, blip. And I was like, uh, okay, that's not good. And so I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, is it, is it cause it's, I know that mod, some modern Macs, if you don't, if they don't have power in the battery, they don't work. Like you kind of right. like leave, have to leave them plugged in for a little while if they're an old machine or whatever. Yeah. My so first generation iPad does the same thing. It's got to sit there and get plugged in for a while before leaving fire up. Exactly. Yeah. So I did this. I left it in for a while. No, nothing. Unpulled the battery out, just ran it plugged in. Still the same thing. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Oh, really? So, Even without the yeah. battery in it? <clears throat> right. So mm. I so I pull the keyboard up and I pop the RAM all the way out, blow on everything, stick the RAM back in, it boots right up. So it just huh. the RAM got unseated or something or yeah. you know, huh. clogged. Boots right up, gets to the desktop. I plug in the camera, I open up iMovie, it sees the camera, and there's a big giant import button. I hit import, and it starts playing the deck. It controls the deck from iMovie. It starts playing, and it just records, and every time there's a blip in the, in the like a scene change or like a, a dropout in timecode, I guess, um, it just starts a new clip. And so I let it play, and it pulled in, you know, 36 minutes of my father. Wow. Yeah. Which ends wow. up being about seven, it was like seven and a half gigs of a 30 gig hard drive, right? So right, just the right. 30 minutes, you know, used up. <laughs> okay. So then I, so I'm like, okay, that's great. Now, how do I get it off of here? Okay. What other ports do we have? Well, we have a USB 1.1 port, which, <laughs> which will take forever, which literally would take 40 something hours to transfer seven gigs. I don't have any firewire drives around, so I can't just use the firewire port. And I'm like, maybe I could get it to connect Ethernet because there is an Ethernet port on there. Mm -hmm. What if I got it to connect Ethernet straight to the Synology? And it oh worked. right, and then just AFP drag straight. it directly to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it work? Okay, so yeah, AFP. So the you know Apple File Protocol. Yeah. Found the Synology, mounted the no Synology, kidding. and the best part about it, Jeffrey, and this is the crazy thing. It's a gigabit Ethernet port on that computer from 20 years ago. No way. Because it was the first one that had gigabit. Wow. Because it was the pro. And so it transferred in like three minutes. Wow. To the Synology. And I was like, what? That actually worked? <laughs> <laughs> you need to write a case study and let Apple know about it. Oh, it was so it was so cool. The fact that it actually worked and was doing its thing and and like didn't it like a couple times it hung, you know, when I was like doing something or um and so it actually worked. In the end, I actually had to go back because the DV format that it records the f like raw files to um, is like some not quasi proprietary, but something people don't use anymore. Right. I had to basically go into iMovie, bring all the clips down in the timeline, and export out a quote unquote DV. Clip oh right, 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 right. From those, and so it took another. So something you know, else hour. could read the codex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it took an hour for it to export the stuff. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, because uh, Resolve wouldn't read it otherwise. And anyway, in the long run, I got it all on the computer and it's working. But I mean, I felt like it was a little bit like this was my last chance to get this information right. off of here. You know, um, how how was it watching it? And and the reason I ask is my stepmother just sent me a box of Super Eight movies from 1968 to 1978. So you were 27 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It never still gets got old. It, ladies and gentlemen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old, unlike Jeffrey. Um, uh, oh. <laughs> wow. Um, how did it feel watching it? Um, I haven't watched them yet. I don't have a Super 8 projector. We're we're trying well, to find a Super you can 8 definitely projector. definitely get on eBay. Yeah, yeah, easy to find. Um, but I, I, so the reason I'm asking you is knowing the relationships that you and I have had with our parents and specifically the deaths of our parents or your father, my mother and father, was it worth watching it again or did it take you back to a place that was painful? Did it, was it, was it, was it a joy, a joyous experience or was it a painful experience? Um, it was a joyous to neutral experience, mm-hmm. but it was, it felt like watching a dream. Yeah. Like it felt like some watching a movie about something that happened that wasn't my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like it was, my father died 17 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a, so much of my life has happened since he died that when I see my life, when he was still alive, I was like, that's not me. Wow. You know, like if it's long enough ago that it feels like a dream, yeah. you know, um, he never met my wife. He never knew that I was a photographer. He, you know what I mean? Like none of these things existed when my father existed. Um, but definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, interestingly enough, also on here, uh, I have a, my cousin, um, her daughter and her mother, her mother was driving her college age daughter to to class one day a few years ago and they drove through an intersection and somebody was getting off the highway, didn't stop at the light and T-boned them, killed them both. Oh no. Her mother and daughter simultaneously. Oh my gosh. And there is footage on here of my cousin's daughter and her. I don't know how much footage she has you know this is like her as like a little kid but would she want to see that i don't know i mean that's, yeah, i don't know that's that's a whole other level of what you're talking about right yeah yeah um my guess would be yes you know i mentioned it to my sister and my mother and, and both of them my sister was just like yes i would want to see it you know if my child had died yeah um uh, so I mean, these, I, things, I, these things are time capsules, right? I mean, th- yeah. You, and I think go- I'm in the same camp you are. I think it's been long enough. I mean, there, I don't know what's on these. A lot of them I haven't seen, but Linda well, some said of them that are before you, are they, or, or right around before you? No, you six, 67, uh, 68. So I All was, right, what, I was a year old. Oh, okay. Um, but a lot of them, my stepmother said ha- there are a lot of them that, that have my mother in them from 68, 70, 72. And I I think like you with your dad, I think it's going to feel, man, I don't know. Now that I'm talking through it, I don't know how it's going to feel. It's going to feel what? Well, I could, I can see your point about it feeling like a dream and it feeling like another life. Yeah. But I also know that it's going to, it's going to peel back that wound a little bit. Yeah. Um, true. But, you know, it's, I think it's one of those, I think you, you every once in a while got to open up the bandaid and let some air get to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you may watch it and you may cry like a little baby, 
but you'll probably feel better afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that there's also, there's some value, I think, in looking at that kind of stuff. And this was just a normal Christmas Eve at the Wadman house, right? In 1999. No one knew that my father would be dead in five years. Right. You know, no, no one knew any of these things. Right. So. And maybe that's the difference, Bill. Maybe that's the difference between that clip and one that was taken in 2006. Would that have been more difficult to watch? I think so. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this was. And, and, but, but I think it is also a reminder of all of the days when you think nothing is going on, you know, the, the, these two years in COVID when we're all with our families all the time, um, we may, we may look back on them and think about how precious those times were, you know, as frustrating as they are to us now in some ways. The, 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 we will be, I think people become nostalgic about almost everything, mm-hmm. good or bad. Yeah. Um, and so watching footage from your childhood, good or bad, is going to make you think about your childhood, and that may change your relationship with the people you're with now for the better. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app to get more conversations like this one along with my shows Process Driven and Deep Natter, all in one feed. You can support the shows by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen, or by sharing them on social media. Connect with Bill on Twitter and Instagram, at Bill Wadman, that's B-I-L-L-W-A-D-M-A-N, or on his website at BillWadman.com. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeffrey Sidoris, that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S, or on my website at JeffreySidoris.com. As always, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll come back for the next one.